This week, friend of the show Doris Dake pops up again, this time courtesy of Patricia in the Alveston Ward. Hi, Patricia. We discuss a movie legend who we who we can't believe has not shown up on this show before. We'll give you one clue. What And we tackle a movie that has been remade three times, but defying all logic, remains good each time it's remade. Intrigued yet? You will be. Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Hello, Tosin here, broadcasting from Sunshine Radio at St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. A quick word about contacting us during the show or otherwise, you can either contact us through the website, which is www.sunshineradioiow.com, through Facebook, if you go into Facebook and you search for uh, They Don't Make Them Like They Used To, by the time you type in They Don't Make, you'll find us, or through a phone call while the show is on, and the number to phone is 1983 Five three four four five seven. Let me do that again. Zero one nine eight three five three four four five seven. That's better. And um, yes, you can also make requests for sh- uh, songs to be played on different shows at Sunshine Radio while you're actually on there. With me in the studio today are my regulars, Sean. Oh yeah. There you are, and Sharon. Hello. You guys were doing very well at actually being very quiet, so I wasn't actually sure whether your mics were working. So no, we're <laughs> that, here. We're good. That is a lovely, lovely <laughs> relief. Yes, we are back after two weeks off off the off the air, in which uh, mainly I've just been being on a beach, doing my best impression of a beached whale. How about, how about you guys? What have you guys a been up to in the last two weeks? Well. A very, a very, oh, why, thank you, Sharon. Thank you. My family doesn't think that, but thank oh, you. <laughs> I thought you looked really well. I think I said so yesterday. Oh, oh thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, you had a rela- I hope you had a Healthy. relaxing holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was actually... You and your good lady. It was, it was, well, it was for a second year anniversary, but it was like... Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it was... It, it's different from anything I've ever done before because we went to the Dominican Republic and we essentially spent two weeks doing absolutely nothing. Usually, we, we, when we go places, we go there to see stuff and go and see that and see this site and all that. But this was really just sitting on a beach, a guy brings you drinks and you just chill. You weren't tempted to go surfing or anything like that? Do they do surfing in the Dominican Republic? They do windsurfing. There are a lot of, there's a lot of water sports, windsurfing, paragliding, that kind of stuff. You could go snorkeling, you could swim with dolphins. Um, I think there's actually a swim with sharks thing as well. Uh, but I can swim, so, so oh, so, so that yeah, that would so I, I didn't do any of those that. things. I, I went on a dune buggy dune buggy ride and went zip lining and stuff like that. So well, that's pre- fun. Yeah, that's it's exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty good fun. Anyway, this show is about movies, isn't it? Yes, yes. that's what we, that's <laughs> what we're here for. We can do a holiday show as well. But yes. Time. So as we actually said, as we said in the in the intro, there is one person who we were speaking last night, and we were kind of shocked that this guy has not shown up in any of the films we've spoken about. We haven't spoken about any of his films, and we're talking about classic movies on here. And as the clue gave you, it is Bruce Lee. And so, Sean, you were, you were the one who sort of like pointed this out. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was just amazed because he's such a such an icon. You know, I mean, it's, I think everybody's heard of him, you know, yeah. which is even, even youngsters. Bruce Lee, oh, yeah, he's like the kung fu guy. You know, yeah. he's the guy... <laughs> Makes all those cat noises. <laughs> <laughs> don't, it's like don't get him angry and don't cut him. Don't let him taste his blood. Don't let him taste his blood. Yeah. So I mean, we thought we might do talk a little bit about um, some of his movies because that would have been Enter the Dragon, which yeah. I think. Yeah, that's the big one. I think that's that was the big, big crossover one. Is yeah. it? I was. I think it came out seventy four, and that was like the first X film, as they were. That was the first X film, and my dad. Had oh, well, you mean you mean as far as ratings go? As far as ratings yeah, go, before the old they, ratings. it was like yeah, U A double A and X, and X was like eighteen. But um, now they've they've obviously put the the ages on. But I went to see this, and I pleaded with my dad, and I begged him, and I begged him, and he said, "Well, you, you're not old enough. You're not old enough." And I said, "Please, Dad, please, I got to see Bruce Lee. Everybody's talking about Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. <laughs> so anyway, he did take me, and I sort of." Stood, he bought a couple of tickets and I sort of stood out the way and, and we got in and it was okay and we watched it and that, that was in the days of like when cinemas were huge you know yeah um, it was the ABC in Westover Road and so I always remember that because that, oh, was that, like that first, in Bournemouth that's in Bournemouth yeah, yeah so that was uh, like the first first X film I'd seen and, oh. and it just blew me away so after that I we, I used to get my dad to take me to Wareham to watch watch Bruce Lee films because Wareham there was this little cinema called The Rex a little tiny villagey cinema and yeah. uh, I said oh 
and they would show they show like the big boss and fist of fear and i was going uh, dad 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 big and boss. bless him he used to take me over there to watch these yeah great <laughs> movies and and then i used to sort of go a lot of them were double a's which was 15 so a couple of years later there was the, there was a big big lot of kung fu movies hapkido when take one do strikes let's just i used to go see them all kung fu the head crusher <laughs> yeah, because because essentially i think bruce lee sort of like opened up the way for a lot of a lot of sort yeah. of like if sort of east asian southeast huh. asian cinema to come through that's right well barry norman he used to barry norman used to do a program called film film whatever whatever year yeah. you were in whatever year and i remember he was doing like a review of films and he said the kung fu fu movies came and went with bruce lee yeah so you know that Jackie yeah, but then you got the whole director video phenomena in the eighties, and you had all like the the Cynthia Rothrocks, and yeah. you well, had well, the, the other that, type of kung fu. Yeah, the the other type martial artist. Essentially, America, America yeah, trying to make took it the, over. Yeah. yeah, America trying to make the sort of um, the sort of Chinese movies. That's right, yeah. Chuck Norris, Chuck Norris, and you had Jackie Chan and uh, sort of hovering around the edges, wasn't he? He did his Chinese films, and then he'd occasionally pop up in British in, in, in yeah. American films. Yeah, I think it was, it's one of those things where I, th I think, as you said, Bruce Lee kicked the whole thing off. Yeah, and I think probably until Jackie Chan came on, there was never really a sort of proper person to carry on carry the sort on. of like crossover into the west um thing there wasn't a, and then i think jackie chan then jet lee and in the time in the meantime you had a whole bunch of it was mainly americans who had trained in martial arts yeah trying to make the sort of movies that bruce lee would have been making if he was around that's right yeah so it was like you know steven seagal and like yeah. chuck <laughs> norris and like jean-claude van damme and michael dudikoff american well i used to like i used to like old cynthia rothrock because Oh, obviously yes, she yeah. was a, like a, a kick-ass woman yeah, yeah. Yeah. who was um, yeah would always be in these it would always be like a high school teacher who'd suddenly turn into this sort of virago <laughs> wouldn't yeah, she yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like what do you do in your spare time well actually I'm going to go and kick some butt <laughs> I just kick out yeah these biker gangs I just tear them to bits yeah. I, just, I just happen to hang around alleyways alleyways until guys yeah. in like you know leather jackets coming to me with flick knives and then I kick them in the face yeah <laughs> <laughs> alright cool so let's go back Bruce to Lee, yeah. go back to Bruce Lee the f uh, we have some music here and we're going to play the main theme from Enter the Dragon which is the film that we're talking about? Enter the Dragon. Here we go. Wait, what a second. What is? All right, we're having issues with our computer here. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Braveweight. <laughs> Do you want us to sing Kung Fu Fighting while you're no, waiting? No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, that came out. That was, it. That was on the bandwagon, it was wasn't it? inspired by it, wasn't it? Was, it that was part of it, yeah. It was yeah. part of the whole thing. But I think um, in, the, in the meantime, we can just... Uh, if we just want to keep talking about... Um, so we're looking at Enter the Dragon, aren't we? Yeah. That's the iconic one where he has the three slashes across his chest and it's the Hall of Mirrors, isn't it? Yeah, You've got it's, those. The, it's the one that pretty much all the, all the Everyone Bruce Lee... Everyone has seen. Mm. It's the one that pretty much all the Bruce Lee um, posters come from. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, and I think after that, that sort of... of uh, give it to a Western audience. So then yeah. after that, the, his others that he did, the, the ones before, and also... The Game of Death, his last one, yeah. which uh, there was only like three scenes and um, that he's actually that's, in. That's yeah, that he's actually in, and the oh, rest yeah. was like a lookalikey, you know. Yeah, the rest of the because because he died during the filming of that, and they couldn't actually do it. They couldn't do it with him, and they had they had to um, replace replace. Yeah, <laughs> replace. so they had someone who looked familiar, and they they it was they used to cut in some of the splices were um of his actual films like because because uh, yes of I, Death, I have seen it yeah yeah and you suddenly get a scenes and you think yeah obviously the the film yeah the film yeah. footage is, is to pad it out a little bit yeah. well it's it's different because because they were filmed quite a way apart so even yeah. when you look at the picture the picture of the of game of death to the picture of big boss it looks totally different different yeah yeah that's it. because big boss was originally shot that was actually shot in chinese chinese that's yeah, right it was, yeah. it was shot in chinese was his first film it was the one that actually brought him out um thing and the the thing about i think enter the dragon he actually died because bruce lee died he died about it was two days before the premiere of enter the dragon was it? Yeah. What? What? Oh, I didn't know that. I know. Yeah. I know that he was filming Game of Death. I know he'd done Enter the Dragon, and he had this Game of Death, and he wanted James Coburn and and quite a few Western stars. Yeah. Yeah, because he taught them, hadn't he? He had mm. his dojo or whatever it was in in America, LA. wasn't yeah. he? LA, yeah. And he taught a lot of these film stars martial mm. arts, didn't he? Yeah. But there is the three scenes you can actually see. They they quite often they're on YouTube or whatever. There's, there's the three scenes that he made for Game of Death. That's your Game of Death is uh, you know totally different. Nothing to do with the the 
the film, the, the final film, film, yeah. Film. And uh, but there's great, and he fights this guy called um, Danny Inosanto, which All is right. he's like he was with the nunchucks, so they both got nunchucks, and then he gets a bamboo cane, and this was cut. This that scene was cut from the from the um, Western release of Game of Death. So what anyway, was that? Was it too violent or something? Yeah, they they used to cut for the for some strange reason in this country with the censorship laws. They used to chop out all the nunchaku scenes. Yeah, so. my brother had a set and that I used to play with. Not no, no. Before it was like you know really shouldn't have these mm. things. But when martial artists with my brother's a martial artist. He's a black belt third dan. Cool. Uh, karate. Oh, don't and mess with him. He's his love of karate started with these with his oh, kung yeah. fu films yeah, yeah. as they were called well, I did, I and did. with Bruce Lee you know it's what inspired him when he was a young teenager he's now in his well he's 47 now and he started martial arts when he was about 13 and he hasn't stopped since and well, it was inspired by Bruce Lee well yeah I know I remember that when we were growing up as kids like all of us we always wanted the, the big question that you always had to ask was who you want to be James Bond or Bruce Lee and I always thought it was funny like where we grew up because we always thought Bruce Lee was a character that right at the front of that he was actually a real person. Yeah. yeah. Or it was or was it the other way? We thought James Bond was a real person and then we found out he was a character. But the fact is that you're comparing a character to a real person that Bruce Lee is just so iconic that he became yeah. this other thing. He did. We've yeah. still got his book at home, the Jeet Kune Do book that Jeet he Kune wrote Do, about yeah. how yeah. he style. can his style of yeah. one inch punch. Oh uh, yeah. What, we were gonna style? demonstrate that on yeah. air, weren't we? The one inch punch. The one inch punch. There's, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a great there's a great scene in Enter the Dragon where they're on the boat going to Hans Island and there's this like South African fighter and he goes to Bruce Lee goes what's your style yeah. and old Bruce Lee says my style you can call it the art of fighting without fighting <laughs> the art of fighting without fighting oh yeah this is the way he puts show me in. some <laughs> I just uh, yeah. That was uh, that really sticks. He my was mind. cooler, wasn't he? I think this is going to come up in another of my choices. That that uh, Bruce Lee as a as a character, he he sort of oozed cool. Oh yeah, in his yeah. films. Yeah, he never seemed to get flustered, did he? That's why we have the whole or the whatever the noise is. That's not quite right. <laughs> Don't use that one in the. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I won't be like, dubbing any of his it's films. Like, this is Bruce Lee as a cat. <laughs> <laughs> what? He but he has, but even lot. though those strange elongated sounds he he was cool well there's um in way of the dragon when he fights chuck norris at the end back to chuck norris oh yeah in, yeah. The, in the coliseum in rome and uh there's a little cat in that and and chuck norris is really beating bruce lee so he suddenly changes style and there's yeah. this little tiny kitten that goes, oh yeah the cow and then he <laughs> yeah because i remember, remember? that i remember yeah. game of death there's this cat in that final thing of the coliseum there's this random cat that they keep cutting to. Who's just watching Chuck Norris and and Bruce Lee fight, and they keep cutting back to this cat that just keeps looking at them. I'm like, uh-huh. and yeah. you're like, what? What's, what's up with the cat? cat? Yeah, what's going on here? <laughs> what's with the cat? <laughs> but yeah, I, I know that. I think even the the studios they saw Bruce Lee as they thought, oh, we can really sell this guy. We can build something on the back of this guy. And I know that's why he ended up. With, his the first thing he ever did in Hollywood was the original Green Hornet TV show. That's yeah. right. Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the driver, Kato. wasn't he? Kato. He, he was Kato in the original. Green Hornet TV show and he had all these plans and we talk about like how when you go to the 80s you ended up with a whole bunch of Americans essentially trying to make Bruce Lee movies yeah. your Steven Seagal's and your Chuck Norris's and all that That you know the TV show Kung Fu yeah Kung Fu, Kung yeah. Fu. yeah with David, David Carradine Car- that was actually based on an idea that Bruce Lee pitched mm. and I Bruce think, Lee, I Bruce think- Lee yeah. Sorry, go on, Tosh. Yeah, Bruce Lee pitched the idea to the studio and he was like, one have this guy who walks around and what he does is that he solves problems using Kung Fu. And they were like, oh, great. And he, or Bruce Lee pitched the idea because he wanted to star in it. But they were they were like, oh, no, that's an Asian face. We can't really have an Asian face in here. And so they took it. And then so you had this idea of a Kung Fu master who somehow is American. Walking, yeah. Walking. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it was because Doing of Doing his that. whole Confucius say type yeah. of stuff. And and I think because with Bruce Lee it wasn't it was more than he had this whole philosophy he was trying to get across. Like if you've ever seen the uncut version of Enter the Dragon, there's all these extra scenes where he's there with like a with like a student and he's talking to the student about the theory behind kung fu and all that kind of stuff. And they they feel weird. I mean, when you watch the film, they they don't fit at all as part of a film. But you can feel you can see that this is a guy really trying to get the way he sees the world across to yeah. a wider audience. So he didn't just see the film as something that oh, you come there, you sit down, you enjoy it for two hours. But you actually saw it as a he saw it as a way of getting a message out there, which is is pretty cool. 
Yeah. See? Yeah, he was a cool guy. It doesn't matter who you are in the world, you can kick somebody else's butt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, that scene in the game of death, I know going back to that, Danny and the Sunday, he get, actually beats him with a bamboo cane in the end. Um, oh, the guy with the, with the nunchucks and the... Yeah, the nunchucks and the carlies, which was like two sticks. Mm. <laughs> and uh, Bruce Lee's got this little bamboo cane. He goes, this cane is very flexible. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you, uh, you could get it. It's on YouTube. You just put in what? Bruce Lee, Danny and Asanto. It's You could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, funny, the funny thing I actually found about it was how many of them he was dubbed in. I think... I actually think, from what you can see... the. I think Enter the Dragon is the only one where you actually hear his voice. Yeah. Because most of the other ones... Are, were done in Chinese, right? Yeah, they were done in Chinese originally. And I was watching it with some Chinese friends and they were saying about, oh, that's not what he says in, no, the, in the subtitles. They're like, he's a lot ruder in Chinese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's... That, that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that would be interesting to see, actually, with someone who could just translate for you yeah, without so, you having to rely upon the subtitles. That would be quite well, nice. There, there was... Um, we're going to see with Joe and his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Joe and his wife. That would be... But uh, I did actually see the Chinese versions with English subtitles. So yeah. That was, uh, that was that was quite interesting. And, and they say different things. And there's a bit in um, Fist of Fury where he's in a graveyard. And in the English version, that's sort of supposed to be a bit of a romantic scene. They're back yeah. to back and having a chat. And but when it's the Chinese version, he goes, "Oh, after teacher, I really love you." So he loves his teacher more than than, than her, <laughs> if you see what I mean. So yeah, that's, uh, that's yeah. It's, but I also think that w- w- just one more, one final point I, I want to make anyway on him being iconic is that I think his, the films he made they kind of almost defined certain genres or created certain genres of movies. Like Enter the Dragon, for instance, that is the classic martial arts tournament film. Yeah. And after that, you have a lot of films that are just like martial art tournament. And I think even video games, I think a lot of video games are influenced by Enter the Dragon. Street Fighter and all those. Yeah, Street Fighter. Tekken, we could say you was inspired by that sort of thing, wasn't it? Well, because... There's even a guy that looks like Bruce Lee in Street Fighter. I think, not that I play the games, but you sort of see it. He's got his little And Mortal Kombat, is that another one with that? Mortal Mortal Kombat has has some guy who is essentially Bruce Lee. He wears wears this... He has no shirt on, black trousers. (laughs) So I know Street Fighter, the character was called Fei Lung, and in Mortal Kombat, he's called Liu Kang. Ah, there you go, so see. Yeah, all you inspired can, by. You can see what I spend my 90s doing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but they're all inspired by Bruce Lee. And I think it's kind of like the the whole idea, even when you look at the stories of Street Fighter and the stories of Tekken and the story, it's all about uh, a mysterious gentleman invites a whole bunch of the world's best fighters to an island to have, you know, like, that's Into the Dragon. Yeah. yeah. And Game of Death. Game of Death is essentially a video game. Well, it's what inspired a lot because it's all about him going up these different levels, levels. Yeah. and fighting a different boss on each level. And the next thing you know, all these video games start coming out when you're doing exactly that. That's it. Yeah. And, oh, there was one I was going to say about oh, Fist of Fury is the is the classic re- revenge your teacher. teacher yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think yeah. without Fist of Fury, there might be no Taken. No, that's true. <laughs> that's true. So yeah, yeah I just th- I just think that he was he was just iconic, and he created a whole bunch of things in in, in cinema. Yeah, cinema games a, a real big influence. Yeah, in yeah, a lot of lot of things. T-shirts. He's still selling t-shirts yeah, today. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd imagine he's on many a poster, on yeah. many a student wall. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Cool. Um, Patricia, hope you're still with us in Elveston. Thank you so much for hanging on. It is now time to talk about what Patricia told us earlier today. So every Friday, before the show goes on, I walk around the hospital and I ask people two questions. Number one, what is your earliest memory of going to the cinema? And number two, what is your favorite film of all time? I bumped into Patricia in our adopted word, Alveston. And here is what Patricia had to say. Um, can, you, can you tell us the story of the first time you ever went to the cinema? Um... I think I was about eight, and my mum took me, and we saw, um, what was it, uh, I can't remember the name of the film anyway, but um, it was an A, I shouldn't have been allowed to go in there really, <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, one of my favourite ones, but I can't think of the name though, <laughs> Steve and somebody you had in it. Mm. Alright, and what about your favourite film of all time? Um... I think Calamity Jane, Victoria's Day, mm. that one. Yeah, every time it comes on, I record it. <laughs> what do you like so much about Calamity Jane? 
Well, it's just Doris Day. I love all her films. They're amazing, you know. She's versatile, wasn't she? Yeah, we, we actually had Calamity Jane on a couple of weeks ago. Oh, did you? Yeah, we were speaking about it. We played all oh, the dead. What's that? Just coming up over the hill. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, for you, Patricia, we will play a special Doris Day track. Oh, thank you. thank you. Congratulations, Calamity. Fellas, nobody else on earth could have done it but Calam. Ah. I'll bet if she went after sitting bulls, she'd bring him back, too. Did you see the show? Did you see Miss Adam work, huh? What's it like in the big city? Boys? Chicago's the biggest noise in Illinois. Listen. I just flew in from the Windy City The Windy City is mighty pretty But they ain't got what we got No siree They got shacks up to seven stories Never see any more than glories But a step from our doorway We got them for free I'm telling you boys I ain't a swapping half a deadwood For the whole of Illinois Hey! Yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Good Windy cool. City by the delectable Doris Day. I actually think that that word is invented for her. Delectable Doris yes. Day. Delectable Doris Day. Yes, from Calamity Jane. Thank you very much for that, Patricia. You might know this, Sharon, because yeah. you know your musicals. Annie, get your gun. Was she yeah. in? Is she, is she in that? Or no. Is that no, no, no. Someone else. else. Yeah, there's someone else. Ooh, I can't remember who that was. By the name was Howard Keel's in it. Howard Keel. Howard yeah. Keel's. He's the, uh, Frank Butler in it. Oh, where he's well Bill Hickok in this but I can't think who who plays, plays Annie, Annie. oh I can't remember her name alright oh, I'm actually quite embarrassed about that <laughs> it's gone out of my head yeah <laughs> but oh they're yes. great those westerns those lady westerns yeah they they, really? those musical westerns are, yeah. are fun yeah. you think they bear no resemblance to the real west at all <laughs> but they're just fun aren't they yeah, yeah. For, 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 for no business like show business <laughs> <laughs> that that's Oklahoma, isn't it? No, no that, that's only that's Get Your Gun. Is it? Yeah, I'm sure it's. Oh, yeah. Ethel yeah. Merman, isn't it? Who sings that? Oh, Oklahoma's. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Yeah. I was never as keen on Oklahoma, but I have seen it and I like it. And yeah. they've and they've also in, I think, Annie Get Your Gun. There's another one that goes, Can you bake a pine? Or any, that anything yeah, yeah. you can do. Anything can, you, you can, can do, do, I can do better. Yeah. I, I can, can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> Because there's one similar in Calamity Jane, isn't there, where they sort of try to up each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With dance off. I can do it. Dance off. Oh my word! They tried to tell me that films like Step Up and everything. Like I just tried, <laughs> tried to remake <laughs> Calamity like, Jane on the mean <laughs> streets of Miami. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I quite like those Step Up films. To be honest, I've seen a couple of them. Yeah. I'll I like the, dance films. I like dance films as the, well. The dancing's great. I remember one called You. You've won. You've got served, and the, the dancing's great, but the film's terrible. Yeah. So like you, you essentially you you skip through all the dialogue and all the attempts to give it a story and just just give me the dancing. Just watch this dance, yeah. List. I like all of those. Yeah, I watched. I watched them all. They have a place in my heart. Street dance, the UK version of Step Up. I, think I don't I've think seen I've them. seen them. I mean, that. I just get confused what they are. I, mean, I, I like <laughs> to watch them, but they're, they're, I get confused. Except the one I watched recently, which was number two. What was what's that one called with the girl singing group? Pitch Perfect. Oh, Pitch Perfect. Perfect. That's, yeah, they're, they're fun. Oh, Pitch Perfect. The Pitch Good Perfect fun. movies are great. Yeah, yeah. Acker, Pitch Perfect amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, so as, as, as I was saying earlier, we have had Calamity Jane on the show yeah. a couple of times. It's one of my choices, and it was only before I joined the show, it was a choice, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was, it was a patient choice, Calamity Jane, and and we... I just feel as if that we've said quite a bit about that film. Yeah, perhaps we should do a top ten where um, listeners can say, and then we could keep a running total of. Yeah, uh, I, I, like I think at the moment Doris Day and Calamity Jane are yeah, well in front. Well in front. Yeah, that that has shown up more they times. Come up, don't they? It's shown up more times than anybody else. Like when, when we're going around the wards. I think so it th is so memorable and it is joyful and it's, it's got fun. a happy ending. Yeah, yeah. And it is Doris Day. I mean, Doris come on, Day. looking her loveliest. I think she's yeah. she's stunning in it. Yeah, I mean, how? What kind of heartless person do you have to be to not like Doris Day? Yeah, <laughs> with her shiny hair. Come on. Yeah, she's she's brilliant. <laughs> but what actually attracted me is like because you said a little bit about that short as well. How Patricia was saying about the first film she ever went to see, she can't remember what it was. Starred Stephen Stephen somebody or other, and it was probably about sixty years ago. So it's um could be Stephen Boyd. Do you think he was around about six, that Stephen time? Stephen Boyd, yeah, he was in. He's going Ben Hur. Mm, yeah, ben he, Hur. He, he's Masala, isn't yeah. he? He was yeah. Masala. Yeah, maybe. I couldn't think of many Stevens actually. Stephen. Yeah, 
Yeah, okay, we can keep thinking about that. We keep thinking about that. But what I was actually thinking of was how she's talked about the fact that her mom got her into the cinema, cinema. even though she was it was an A and yeah. she wasn't supposed to see it. And you also said that you managed to twist your dad's arm, so you went to go see Enter the Dragon, Dragon. before. So I wanted like by the time I finally made it into a cinema for the first time ever, I was old enough that. Uh, there was the hardly, age restrictions were yeah exactly the they, they yeah. didn't really mean anything to me I was 16 so it was kind of but you guys are, the, are there films that you can remember seeing that at the time you should not have Absolutely, seen perhaps yeah. I do remember actually quite memorably because it was two weeks before my 18th birthday I went to see Fatal Attraction with a friend Ooh. and both of us were still 17 <laughs> so we did get that and I must I didn't because I looked young when I was young <laughs> so I couldn't really get away with I mean, still look young now Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, so I, I did look younger than my age anyway. So I was, we were thinking, if someone asked me, I'd just say my birthday was like last week instead of in two weeks' time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you tried to work out the dates. Yeah, yeah you tried that, to work out how old am I? When's my date of birth? What year should it be? Yeah. Um, in case you got carded like, at the nightclub or anything. Not that I went there very often either. Yeah. But yeah, I remember seeing Fatal Attraction before my 18th birthday mm-hmm. when it was an 18th certificate. As a child, I'm not sure that I was really into any films that would have been older that any, I would have been attracted to. Or anything that your parents would say you can't stay up late for, that you go sneak and watch the TV and all that kind of stuff. I do remember seeing some really inappropriate horror films because I've got older brothers and in my teenage, early, because we had a video when I was about 12, so almost immediately we, our house was flooded with video nasties. Oh. So I do remember seeing some of the video nasties that were later banned when I was about 12. Like, or like <laughs> which ones? They scarred me for life. Uh, things like uh, zo- um, Cannibal Holocaust, is it? Or Zombie Holocaust? Zombie Flesh Eaters, maybe. Zombie Flesh Eaters, I've seen. <laughs> and I remember seeing, obviously, Terminator when I was... That was an 18, and I saw that when I was about 13. Yeah. And I've seen uh, The Exorcist, I saw when I was about 13. Mm-hmm. And a number of... Yeah, some quite, quite gruesome reanimator, I think, came out. Ooh. It was an 18, and I saw that when I was about 14. Yeah, that that's still green, but even by today's standards. Yeah, well, so I saw a lot of these, and I did see all the, all the. I love the, the the zombie films anyway. So I do remember seeing Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. Mm. My, uh, yeah, in my early teens. Yeah, oh, I think the, about the only thing I can compare it to is that I remember growing up, and when I just started discovering my love of film and realizing that. Well, just for me, I just loved watching them. And everybody used to think I was obsessed or had like, a problem or anything, but I just loved watching them. And my dad, well, he used to think that it would actually affect the schoolwork. So during term time, he would take the TV away and he would he would lock it away in his room. And he would lock it in his room and he would put it uh, and he'll make you, if we're nice, if we're good, he'll bring it out on weekends and we'll get it during the summer holidays. But during the term, during term we didn't get any TV. Oh, and I remember thinking, oh, I remember thinking, oh, but no, everybody's talking about this and talking about that film and I can't get in or the conversation or anything and his his b- bedroom was on the third floor of a house so there was like a and I would actually manage because there was a window right beside his door and there was a door there was a window right on the other side of the door <laughs> and I would actually sit on the windowsill lean out of this window on the third floor of a house reach, uh, reach around into his room through the open window and like undo the lock and then go into this room and watch <laughs> watch videos even then and I can Death say this defying yeah I don't think yes, I, my, I, I've never told my dad that he doesn't know but then again he doesn't listen to this show so he'll so never find he'll never out find <laughs> he will never know that was great I mean, me and a bunch of friends we used to love watching those that was like it was like a big exciting thing to get like you know these real horror films and we'd all sit around and we'd be like oh because some of them some of them are quite disappointing to be honest with you actually the younger you see them when I I don't remember being traumatised by any of them to be honest with you like Exodus is supposed to sort of send grown people crying and being sick in the cinema I don't I think I sort of just I think most of the horror goes over your head when you're very young. I don't think you take it all in. I, I I definitely think that. I mean, because I think one of the scariest films I've seen in the last, probably the last decade, is a film called Coraline, which is oh, the... Yeah, yes, oh, yeah. I saw the trailer and it freaked me out so much I couldn't see the film. Yeah, because we went to see the film because <laughs> it was like Neil Gaiman, it was a, the guy who directed yeah. Night Before Christmas, and we were, I was like, yeah, cool. So a friend, of, and a friend of mine and I went to see this on a Sunday morning. We were the only two people in the cinema apart from a guy and his daughter. And we went to watch, and we were like, okay, cool, Coraline, kids' movie, yeah, we still love kids' movie anyway, we're big fans of Disney. Yeah. And we're watching it, and halfway through, we're looking at each other going, this is a kids' movie? <laughs> because it was, it's actually quite scary. It's actually, there's no blood, no gore, nothing like that, but it's just so effectively made, and the ideas are so effectively creepy, that it just creeps you out. But all the kids who saw it, 
that they loved it. Yeah. They just walked up going, "Yay, great film!" and all yeah. the and so you. The adults see, were slightly yeah frazzled. Going, exactly, Whoa. you you have this image of of parents coming out of a cinema with their with a child, and the child is all kind of like, "Yay!" and the parent is like, "Oh my god, what was that?" <laughs> <laughs> the parent is totally traumatized by what they just did. The, yeah. the child is none the wiser. Things that scared me as a child were not scary things so it was just sort of you know things that suggested i remember the the only television program that i watched that gave me an answer was an episode of the original star trek oh yeah it was the jack the ripper episode of star trek no i never it just had one. like two lights going on the wall and it's some sort of alien thingy but i remember that gave me nightmares that episode of star trek yeah i'd seen at that point i'd seen exorcist and i'd seen terminator and i seen all these films mm-hmm. without a bat and an eyelid but one Sort of slightly creepy episode of Star Trek gave me nightmares. So were you were you a hide behind the sofa for Doctor Who type of person? Not really. I mean, I remember watching all the Doctor Who's. The only thing that creeped me out was the Cybermen. They used to creep me out. Mm, yeah. But I wasn't you know, scared of the other monsters. But yeah, it's strange how things affect you in a different level at a different age. So. Yeah, yeah. And some, yeah. yeah I've, I've yet to see anything that scares me these days. I went to see a terrible film the other day that's on now still. Sorry, I'm going to have to say because it was so bad. The Gallows. The Gallows. <laughs> it's supposed don't to be a horror film, isn't it? It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a film. I don't even <laughs> yeah, it's a film. Yeah. I wouldn't even class it as a film. It was that bad. Quite, I'm sorry anybody who likes it. I don't mind. I quite like horror films, actually. It's one. I do tend to go to watch them. Mm. And I do like to hide my eyes. I do like to put my hands up to my face and watch the films. Uh, and then afterwards, I think, oh, that was a good film because it had the odd... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just avoid horror movies. I think, as a rule, it has to be a very, very good film regardless of being a horror film for me yeah. to actually watch a horror movie but it's uh, yeah I, I just don't see the point and a lot of them are just about let's cut somebody's head off just to like, yeah I don't yeah. do the gore fest yeah. so much really but I but, do I think one to watch I think it's coming this this October probably trying to coincide with Halloween is Crimson Peak that looks like it's oh. a proper gothic horror film but you see no, that's different that because that's, that's a proper filmmaker Guillermo yeah. del Toro yeah so yeah. that looks like it's going to be creepy and eerie and a little bit scary as well so I've got I've got high hopes for that cool watch this space well, do you think Pan's Labyrinth was scary or not I don't think it was scary no, no I thought no. it was interesting it was and just, curious I, I thought it was a scary. great film great film yeah I thought it was a great yeah. film I there, there, was some, there were some scary moments there were some well freaky moments freaky yeah, freaky yeah, yeah. 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 But yep. it, was, it was a good movie. Yeah. Freaky and creepy. Yeah, like you think if that really existed, I wouldn't want to be there. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. All right. Um, thank you very much, Patricia, for inspiring a conversation about things that we watched before we should have. Or maybe things that we watched that we should never have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we should never have even actually watched that if it put, put our eyes on. Um, right. Now, uh, usually on the show, we have a bona fide classic. We have the patient choice. And we have a section which is all about it's a hidden gem. It's a film that, like, you know, is out there. Maybe not many people know that. And we have a section that Sharon has picked, which could fall into both categories, in which we both have untold classics and possibly some hidden gems that you might never have heard of. Sharon, could you please tell us what it is that we're about to do? We're going to do a compare and contrast tonight for two films with the same title. Which is? One, they're both called A Star Is Born. Okay, cool. A Star Is Born. Now, with, so you said two films. Which So could you tell us who was who starred yeah. in both films and what years they were made, any of you know? Yeah, this was a, there, there are three films that have been made called A Star Is Born. The original one was made in 1937, which again is based on an earlier film. <laughs> Not called that, but based on the same story. And then, But then it was remade in 1954 with Judy Garland as A Star Is Born. And it was remade again in 1976 with Barbara Streisand as a star is born and I think they're both corkers for different reasons okay right so we're going to have some music now from Judy because we thought if we had Judy Garland we have to have I don't think she was ever called Dame Judy Garland but she should have been <laughs> but, so she here, wasn't British yeah no she wasn't British uh, shame on her but, <laughs> like, and here is the man that got away from a star is born
the top. From the top? Yeah. See, that just gives me, I'm like, you well, don't You're ha- gone, aren't you? You're gone yeah. when you <laughs> that voice. Because the thing is, for ages, I only knew Judy Garland as Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And so I never so I never understood why she was like, oh, in my head, she was a bit like a Shirley Temple type character. And it's only just recently I've started being introduced to her, uh, like sort of older, yeah. grown-up work. And it's something about that voice. I think it's like, she had this ability to just get the emotion of what was being said. So, like, you listen to that, you listen to her singing, and you just kind of think, this is somebody who has gone through what she's singing about. Yeah, it's all there in her voice. Yeah. There's that vulnerability, there's that fragility. Yeah. There's... There's that sort of, like, railing at the world when she gets to one of her crescendos, and and then it just all goes all quiet again because you can see at the end, she's still sad about this man that got away. Yeah, she's... sadness and pain and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's yeah. there, isn't it? In yeah, her voice. it's just, it's like, man. And when you see her, you can, because you see her early films and you can see all that life and that joy and that life waiting to happen to her. Yeah. And then as you see her, she gets older, you can see life, it's in her face, isn't it? Even though she's made up to the nines and she's playing these different roles, you can see that her life is, she can, you can see what's toll. happening mm. through her life, in, that her she had diff- she had problems with alcohol and drugs and all yeah. sorts of things didn't she throughout her life and her weight goes up and down in some films she's painfully thin mm. and others she's like Wizard of Oz where she's rounded yeah and she's looking really attractive with it yeah but yeah you can see that her life was a hard life and she lived it and you can see it in her performance in nearly every film she does yeah I saw some clips of this this afternoon just to refresh myself of her A Star Is Born performance and a few scenes you think yeah this was you could tell this was not at an easy point in her life this was her first film after having like a nearly five year break where she'd had a few ups and downs and she'd taken and she'd come back and this was her comeback film yeah after yeah five years off and you can see it in her that she's almost like rediscovering that joy of performing but you can see that yeah that those last few years have not been easy ones for her but the story if we go back to the film the story of the star is born it's the story of looking at the title it's a sort of one star ascends, so they just start off like with as as a struggling artist, and then they suddenly become this amazing, powerful celebrity star performer. And it's how they meet this other star at the the axis of their lives, where their star is on the wane. And so in the first film, you've got Judy Garland. She's just like a nightclub singer. She's trying to break into show business, but it isn't quite working out for her. And then one night, this very very famous film star. James, played by James Mason, yeah. comes into the bar and hears her. And there's something in her voice that he responds to. And he thinks, actually, I'm in a position where I can do something for you and put you in that place where you want to be so the world will get to see you, that I can meet you, get you to the right places and the right people to hear you, and then you can become the star that you should be. Mm. And so you see his... He uses his influence and his star is a beginning to be on the way and he's been around show business. He's been enormously successful, but he's beginning to drink a bit his films are becoming less successful so his his star is beginning to shine less brightly yeah whereas hers is just about to go supernova yeah, because th- this film i mean this story is to me is always a two-hander it's always about it's about the the woman who's on her way up and the guy yeah. who's on the way down yeah and how they're in this relationship and they're devoted to each other but it's kind of like how do they handle that with one person being really getting more successful and someone getting to the point where they can't handle like almost not being as successful as they used yeah. to be. You can see this at that balancing point. At one point, they're, they're the same. They're, they, their relationship is like, she doesn't need him as much and he doesn't need to foster her. So their relationship becomes level. Yeah. And then it, the balance tips and then he becomes the vulnerable one and she becomes a more powerful one and their whole dynamic changes. Yeah. And in this film, it's because of his drinking. And you, there's one scene, a very famous scene where she says, you know, I love him. I love, you know, I love him a lot. But sometimes love is not enough. Mm. And he's in a sanatorium. He's trying to dry out. He's trying to get clean, uh, sober. And he's really trying. But she says, yeah, you can see that his demons are just more powerful than her love is. Yeah. 
so it's really quite moving but yeah she has this whole scene where it's heartbreaking but she says at one point yeah love is not enough yeah and so one of the things that we were speaking about is um is with remix is remix i mean i know it's one of like almost like a pet hate on this show i know sean you said it a couple of times about how like why do you bother remaking this this, this is a film in which we're actually uniquely talking about two remakes now yeah because this was a remake this was not the original this was not the original it was a remake it was great itself and yeah. then it was then they made the film again in the 70s was it yes with 1976 with Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson okay did you and see the way Sharon said Chris Christopherson I think yeah. did you have a little bit of wow. <laughs> and Chris I didn't recognize Christopherson some, we're talking about voices I picked no. something up in Sharon's yeah, voice yeah in that voice like Chris Christopherson yeah. oh yeah, yes it's, uh, it's that messy hair <laughs> Scraggly beard, the, beard. <laughs> so, the, the shirt open to the navel. Okay, so so what do you think? Uh, what do you think is how does this? How does how do these films escape the remake curse? I think because they they know their time and they know. I think they choose the right stars, the right people in the yep. right role. Yeah, like with Judy Garland and James Mason. He wasn't a massive star. He was big star. He was a big movie star, but he never had that one signature role. Yeah. So he fits that part of like a fading movie star. Yeah. Perfectly. And with Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson, even though at that point she was the much bigger star, and she always has been the bigger star. Yeah. He plays that slightly jaded, slightly loose rock star to perfection. Yeah. So the the, the the scene is slightly different in the 1976 film because Barbara Streisand is like a lounge singer again but mm -hmm. instead of going into film she wants to have become a recording artist and Chris Christopherson is a huge rock star who's who's been in this band for, for decades and done the big stadium tours and his but his drug taking and his alcohol are beginning to tear his, take their toll. Yeah. And sometimes he's on stage and he forgets the words of the songs and he, you know, he walks off and he has his like his old rock star bit. So he wasn't the the rock star that he was. And then again, he goes into this bar. He hears her singing, and he's like, "I can do something for you. I can introduce you to the right people. Yeah, and get your voice heard yeah. in the music business." And I think it the the way they remade it, it's a, it, they've changed the story in that it's a different business, not the film business. It's about musical theatre. Yeah, because in the nineteen fifties, the biggest medium of film. Was but there was the musical was the Hollywood musical yeah so she becomes a Hollywood musical star in the mid seventies it was all about rock stars it was all about the Rolling Stones it was all about and they caught that mood perfectly yeah and the fact that he's got the he has a ranch and he has a hel the helicopter and he has this racing car it captures that that also glamour the, the glamour of the, the glamour time. excess of the as we were going into the 80s the sort yeah. of the excess just this blew up then mid 70s and he's slightly hippie and so it captures the at the tail end of that sort of like the hippie woodstock generation so it fe so it, it it was the right film set at the right time with the right cast because they talked about remaking it in 2013 and I thought, how could you remake it again, unless you have like a reality show? <laughs> that, that's what I was. That, that, that was exactly what I just thought. It would have to be a reality show. Because <laughs> it would, it would, and then would it work in the same way with the this rising star and this fading star? I don't know if it work in the same way. But these each the three films. We haven't talked about the 1937 one because that's a little bit out of our my expertise of knowing that sort of period of yeah film because making. joe was saying that that's his favorite version yeah the the, yeah. the earliest version yeah. But, but yeah it's all mixed around i think it's like got the it's all the ingredients work doesn't it? you've got this stellar performance by the lady mm -hmm. and you've got this key they're vital but the men the vital in their role of playing that yeah because that for me for me it's fading. a two-hander like yes. one doesn't work without the other in this no they've in, got to be both film. be strong oh in this story really because it's it's a classic Hollywood story because the story more or less gets played again with in The Artist the silent movie that yes. came out a couple of years ago yeah, yeah where they, they actually had that whole Star is Born thing going in where he, sp he sports her he helps her along and she ends up becoming a bigger star than him mm -hmm. and I'll go you one better that was, I think this film has actually been remade after the 70s but it just wasn't called A Star is Born there's a film, I think it was 1995, called Up Close and Personal with Michelle Pfeiffer and Robert yes, Redford. as television reporters. Yeah, it's, a news it's, reporter. It, they're, they're news reporters. But yeah, it, it, he's it, a veteran, she's the young exactly, reporter, yeah. and he grooms her. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And I think everything you were saying, I, I agree. I think the story in itself is timeless. And it's yeah. all about when people find 
a medium that is that relates to their time that people can latch onto. Yeah. And then they show the sort of like the central themes of like, you know, of almost helping somebody else out and all that kind of stuff. And then what and then how do you deal with it when they become bigger than you yeah. and you're thinking I made you, I put you there. That's right, you've got those unequal relationships and how do you get that it's unequal to begin with. And then they get that balance and then it becomes unequal again. And yeah. it's like, how do those relationships survive? Yeah. And in Sounds each like, version... What are my relationships? They've all turned into big, big jobs. That was me that put them there. <laughs> <laughs> you're the, well, you're not our flawed hero because you've got your perfections. <laughs> but we each of them, yeah, we've got our flawed hero, we've got our heroine, we've got that element of... sort of of self-destructiveness about some of the characters and the tragic ending often that these films do have a a tragic ending yeah they don't have a happily ever after they they don't they don't have a happily it's kind of like you have this love between these two characters because i haven't seen the stars are born or the stars is born (laughs) a star (laughs) is born (laughs) whatever i haven't seen those films but i've seen up close and personal i know the way the film ends yeah it's extremely effective it's like it's i think it's a great story i remember watching that thinking this is a great film and uh, about it even made Celine Dion look good because she had it was like her she did her the song on the soundtrack to it it was like you were my strength when I was weak you were oh wow yeah it, so see I can't that, that makes me sort of have a knee jerk reaction to Celine Dion yeah I, I know but, but trust me the film is good enough to actually pull her up you can get away with it okay <laughs> it's got to be a good film but yeah. I have seen the film yeah I agree it's a good film and a good match yeah it's, it's a very, very very good match canon yeah because you actually had like Robert Redford who Around about the nineties, quite frankly, not many people knew who he was. Yeah, again, his he, star was fading. Yeah, he was it, past yeah. his he was past his heyday. Michelle Pfeiffer was just coming off Batman Returns and all that kind of stuff, so she was still sort of coming up. And Michelle Pfeiffer has this ability to play. I think no matter how old she gets, she has the ability to play young and so like the young ingenue and like oh, I don't really know what's going on and everything like that. And then she becomes sort of like battle hardened, and then she becomes a successful businesswoman, and she can do that transition for yeah. you, like almost like in Definitely. her sleep. And so that that's um I think uh yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Like, you know, you have to have the right person cast in it to actually make it work. So who do you reckon could pl- could play that role in a new version of A Star is Born? Ooh, it depends what world you're gonna set it in. If you're gonna set it in like film or if you're gonna set it in like music. But you'd want someone young enough to be believable as a romantic hero because they do fall in love. Yeah. And so they've got to be attractive enough to still be, you know, Set the hearts racing. Oh, yeah. But I'll, it have to be slightly older than the heroine. So I'm trying to think who I'll, they want. I'll tell you who, who I reckon would be good. I mean, they've been in a couple of films together. Was, would be um, oh, what's his name? Bradley Cooper, and the, they were recently Jennifer t- Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. That does work, yeah, because the older but, but, man, younger yeah, yeah, woman, they, yeah. They sort of, I think that might might work. Not that I've seen. I haven't seen. I must be honest. I haven't seen the Chris Christopherson. Um, you haven't. Barbara Streisand. <gasps> I remember my mum and dad, uh, mum and sister raving about it and going, oh yeah, it's wonderful. But um, I thought, oh, obviously a chick flick when I was that age. I think it probably was aimed at chick flick because again, Barbara Streisand, I think again, she can be polarising a little bit because people do adore her or they can't stand her. She's a Marmite person. Mm. I would, sorry, I would would have my, my vote would be Emma Stone. Yes. Who would you have as your older I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm still trying to figure that out. Like somebody who's Charlie Sheen. No. no, no, no. <laughs> Not Charlie Sheen, no. You should have seen the looks of horror I got. <laughs> what? Like, what? It's like saying no. Sean Penn. <laughs> so, no, it wouldn't be Charlie Sheen, but I'm still trying to figure out who would who would play that. I think Bradley Cooper and Emma Stone could work quite well. Yeah. Oh, Emma Stone and maybe Steve, Car- Steve Carell. Yes, because I was thinking they played father and daughter, didn't they? In, in stupid, Crazy Stupid Love. Crazy Stupid Love. I would get it wrong around. Yeah. But yeah, they have, but they have, yeah, you could yeah, see. But, yeah, because... Steve Carroll, when he when he goes serious, he's actually really good. Yeah, he's good. I think he he would he would carry that no problem. All right, we're almost out of time, almost out of time. I'm gonna play a song now, which is gonna lead us into a final bit. But thanks, that was a. I actually want to keep talking more about remakes and all that kind of stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Just one thing, right? Name me some other Chris Christopherson films, real quick. Billy the Kid, uh, Pat Garrett, Billy the Kid. Oh, you clever thing! I didn't think you'd know that. (laughs) I did. Yeah, this is. Because we ain't got Joe's quiz anymore. And there was, oh, I can't think. There was another one, but it's gone out of my head. He, yeah. had a, he had a little bit part in Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. 
I remember that. Okay. You get the shot. Anyway, sorry, All right, that, was, cool. that was the quiz. <laughs> yeah, here, here is a... Um, we're going to go into a final section after this, which is all about exceptions to the rules. So a film made after 1980 that we think, go watch it, it's still as good as, as, good as anything beforehand. Here is I Go Hard by Wiz Khalifa. What's the next one? Yes, and that is I Go Hard by Wiz Khalifa from the movie. Sean, you want to tell us what movie that was from? Okay, this is from a movie called The Man with the Iron Fists. Um, it was out a few years ago. Great movie. If you love kung fu movies, this is like a homage to, to every kung fu movie you could ever think of. So... If you've seen lots of kung fu movies, you really, really need to go and see this. It's, it's, uh, well, it is. Um, I expect Tozen would tell you because he was giving me a bit of. I mean, yeah. I, go on. Well, yeah, because it's it's um, written by, directed by, and starring uh, a guy called Rizar. Rizar. Which is is spelt R Z A, but he's better known as a member of a rap collective called the Wu Tang Clan. And the Wu Tang Clan is like Rizar, uh, I think Method Man. Like the, they had all these guys in them, and they actually got the name Wu Tang from a series of hung, of kung fu movies, which I guess they must have seen in like the seventies and stuff. They all grew up as like you know young black kids in inner city America, and it seems to be like this. It's funny how I think kung fu movies seem to unite black people around the world. They do, yeah. <laughs> and and they so they had such a thing. And if you watch any of the Wu Tang videos, some of the videos are like homages to kung fu movies and all their names and the things they do and you listen to their songs and they have all these <laughs> going on all, all over in the background and it seems like Rizza when he grew he grew successful enough and had enough clout to actually make get a film made I think it's the first he'd been in films before but this is the first time he'd written and directed something he decided I'm taking all that money and I'm making a homage to to um, Kung Fu movies, to Kung Fu movies. Yeah. and packing it full of quite a few of big names because it's got Russell Crowe in it Crow, yep. it's got Lucy Liu, Liu yep it's got all the it's and I mean it's it's like every, every Kung Fu film even up the up to date ones like Crouching Tiger and all that there's all the you know I, it's just great I would say that um, it's basically a story I guess is Rizzo is the guy that loses his hands but he fashions himself a uh, some Godless, fists, yeah, yeah. Some, like okay. makes his hands so he's, he's got fists of steel because the the main baddie in it is like a bronze man that can turn to bronze and yeah. nothing can hurt him but uh, he's stu- been studying the chi of places to hit him and all that and yeah. it's just it's, it's but apart from that you've got all these different clans all fighting you've got the bear clan and the lion clan and the lion clan all the all the guys have all got big furry hair and look like lions and carry <laughs> massive big maces and stuff it's just it's so a it really it's really a step back from, in time isn't it's it? a step back in time and, yeah, like so. you have, you, and you have different characters who have like different sort of powers, powers almost yeah. or like different specialties that they use which is quite frankly going back to where we started the show off it all is, very yeah. Bruce Lee Bruce Lee yep. <laughs> exactly. so Bruce Lee years later still inspiring people to make films yeah. that can stand up in the annals of time indeed you know yeah. they made a sequel what to the man with the iron fist yeah there's a man with iron fist too no way yeah. Yeah, no, they've made it. I haven't seen it. I've, oh, I've, is it, has it been released? Or? It's been released. It's on Netflix and stuff. Oh, wow. I'm gonna have to, oh, it's, it has Rizzo back in it, but is I'm it? not sure whether it's any good. No, no. <laughs> but we'll find out. Anyway, um, until next time, uh, until next time, here's hoping that all everybody in the hospital, you all get well soon. You get better. You get home. You get to watch some films. And uh, you remember, as always, they do not make them like they used to. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye.